Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. We have some signings to break down for you. We have a press conference to talk about. And then we have a bunch of other news and notes to go through. A lot has happened in the past couple of weeks since we talked to you. And also, Happy New Year. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today from the Blazing Musket, Sam Minton. Sam, how are you? Doing good, doing good. It was nice to uh, formally meet uh, Caleb Porter and kick off the new year of Rev's coverage. But always happy to join you, Greg. Of course. And also joining us, Tom Pinzoni. Tom, how are you? Great. I'm very happy that I have power at the moment. Uh, we only lost it for an hour this morning. So hopefully uh, hopefully the lights stay on while we do this. Yeah, hopefully you guys are staying up, uh, staying warm. I think we got about half an inch of rain down here in Pennsylvania. So I think I made out a lot better than most of our listeners and you too, as I get uh, a couple of uh, shakes of the head. Before we get to the rest of the show, we want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online with the NFL playoffs right around the corner and NBA season in full swing. Bet Online has you covered with all the up to second odds, news, and scores. Not just NFL and NBA, but also European leagues are going right now. We have the Asian Cup starting. Starting next week, African Cup of Nations. There's a lot of soccer to bet on. Don't tell me that you're not going to bet on Egypt and Mozambique, and you can bet on Egypt, Mozambique next weekend at Bet Online. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. So head there today to get into the action and see the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BLEAV. B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Let's get to the revolution. There are some new signings we got to talk about. New year, new goalkeeper. The revolution have announced the signing of Henrik Ravas. Uh, announced on, I believe, Thursday. Uh, it was originally reported by Seth McComer. Uh, on December 28th, he's a 26-year-old goalkeeper who played for Wisdu Lodz. I don't have any idea if that was close to the correct pronunciation. There's going to be a lot of mispronunciation today. But the important thing you know is that he's 26-year-old. He played in the Polish First Division. It was reportedly a $1.2 million transfer fee, plus his former team retains 15% on a future transfer fee, plus some additional bonuses and incentives. Uh, Ravas played for Derby County from 2016 to 2021, uh, but he didn't really play for him. He was always out on loan, moved to Slovakia a couple years ago, and then went to Wisdau Lodz. Again, I have no idea. Uh, on a free transfer in March 2022, uh, he has received some call-ups for Slovakia for European qualifying recently, but he has not played yet. Uh, let's go to Sam. Sam, we have a new goalkeeper. What are your opinions of him? Yeah, he's definitely another young guy, kind of. Obviously, George A. Petford's playing with Chelsea. I think this goalkeeper has a long way to go to even hope of doing that. But another young guy. Uh, but, you know, just kind of looking through the stats, it's... I don't want to say I'm down on this signing, but I think that Revolution fans should temper their expectations. 
I don't know if we're exactly going to get a George Petrovich or, you know, a Matt Turner of the like where this player is immediately, you know, being regarded as one of the top goalkeepers and is looking to make a move to Europe. I definitely think to move the revolution had to make Thomas Vasilik, for all intents and purposes, is already gone. I imagine he gets bought out. And I think we saw last year Earl Edward Jr. is a good spot starter. Great backup, um, definitely a veteran uh, that you can utilize, um, but don't think he's an everyday starter. And Jacob Jackson also still has a lot of work, kind of a lot of maturing of his game uh, to come. So I think you have to go out, get a goalkeeper. Caleb Porter said in his press conference they were going to get a goalkeeper. They now have their goalkeeper in Henrik Rabas. And, you know, it's exciting to see what he can do, but I think that Revolution fans should probably temper their expectations a little bit. Tom, how about you? What do you think about the new guy? Uh, yeah, I agree with what Sam said. You know, I I don't think we can just assume that every time the Revs sign a, a goalkeeper from Europe, he's going to come in and, and perform to the level that Petrovic did. Uh, but you know, aside from Vaklik, uh, and, and we don't really know what what happened there. But aside from him, uh, you know, they have a pretty good track record with with bringing goalkeepers in, uh, and they have a good track record overall with with the international signings that they've made in the last couple of years. So. You know, Kurt mentioned uh, two press conferences ago now that, you know, the, the scouting department is is still intact, um, along with some other friends, apparently. Uh, and, you know, if, if they continue to make the type of signings that they've been making, uh, then, you know, I, I think they should be we should be in a good position. Uh, and Edwards showed himself to be, a you know, look, he's a solid backup. He's a veteran. Uh, so long as we don't randomly decide to throw Jackson at the deep end again, I think we should be all right. Yeah, I'm a little mixed on this signing too. I one thing that I think we kind of need to put under the microscope if this doesn't really work out is we've given Kevin Hitchcock a lot of praise of oh if Kevin Hitchcock likes him, then I like him too. Uh, we heard a lot about Jacob Jackson being someone that Kevin Hitchcock thought highly of, and um, you know it doesn't seem like they think of him much as more than a third goalkeeper since they've kept Earl Edwards and now we're acquiring our second goalkeeper. Uh, in six months. Uh, and then who knows what happened with Thomas Fetzleek. It doesn't seem like that was a Kevin Hitchcock guy, but uh, after, you know, Petrovic left, there's a big hole there and it hasn't been filled by Edwards. It hasn't been filled by Jackson um, and it wasn't filled by Matt Sleek. So this is attempt number four of trying to replace Georgie Petrovic, which I know is a, a very big deal. And a $1.2 million transfer fee certainly seems like they have a lot of faith in this player. Um, and, also, there is a full scouting report on the Blazing Musket, so make sure you go subscribe to the Blazing Musket so you can get all your news uh, in your email inbox. Um, it seems like there he's a good shot stopper. Um, he's very good at positioning. He strikes me as more of a Matt Turner type than George Petrovic, and what I mean by that is a smart goalkeeper with good reflexes, whereas Petrovic, I think, was just a superhuman athlete that we got in the beginning of his career at 21. Ravas is 26. I'm not sure, you know, th this doesn't strike me as a, this guy is going to be an elite goalkeeper that goes to the Premier League in two, three years. This strikes me as a guy that's bounced around between Europe, hasn't really found his footing, um, and has a really a couple of really solid seasons in Poland uh, over the past one or two years and can play at the MLS level. So uh, I, I get the sense that this might not be a $10 million uh, transfer fee out in a couple of years, but this might be a guy that can do a suitable job for the New England Revolution for the next couple of years. Uh, and, and certainly all the reviews from the media and fans when this announcement was made seemed positive coming out of Poland. A lot of people spoke very highly of him. I've seen a lot of good positive things about his character. 
So it'll be very interesting to see how he fits in New England uh, to kick off the season. Should be noted, we talked about Thomas Fetzleek. Uh, it is reported by the Blazing Musket he will be bought out. It was also reported by Tom Quinlan separately back in November uh, that he would be bought out. So it seems like that is the path forward. Thomas Fetzleek will leave New England without making uh, a single appearance. Uh, any any final thoughts, any any favorite memories of Thomas Fetzleek uh, as we say our parting words to our uh, fallen Czech brother? I, I definitely think uh, one of my favorites is getting to ask him about David Pasternak. And if not that, just being able to be there at training and getting to witness him walk straight. It, it, it was truly a memorable moment. <laughs> a very bizarre signing. Uh, that's the Ismail Tajori Shradi of 2023 of bringing in a guy. Oh, I guess he's hurt. I guess we can't actually play him. Um, the very bizarre signing. And I think we're going to have a lot of question marks. Vets uh, at least uh, spoke to some media and said he is healthy enough to play. So very bizarre, but uh, I, I think that one's going to end with a lot of questions on what exactly happened there. And I, I don't know if you guys have thought about this, but I'm, I, I think we're all going to pay attention to where he plays next and where he signs next. Cause if he goes over to a league one club or a championship club and plays half decent, I think a lot of people are going to be wondering, well, if he's playing decently over there, why couldn't he have done that here? Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of his career plays out going forward. So uh, another signing, Ima Boateng, friend of the Revolution, uh, again, re-signing with the Revolution, a one-year contract with a 2025 team option. He will occupy a supplemental roster spot. Uh, this contract, we, we did just deny his option. We just declined an option, so it's a little bit of a weird signing. I think I expected him to leave. Second year in a row, I expected him to leave. Uh, this, to me, reading the tea leaves, uh, Earl Edwards Jr. was on a supplemental roster spot a few years ago. He had an option accepted, and then he moved up to the senior roster because he was no longer making a senior minimum salary. I am guessing what has happened here is that the contract Ima Boateng signed last year, the option was not a senior minimum salary, and so he would have to move to the senior roster. So they essentially declined his option, which probably would have gone to like a salary of like 110, 120,000, and they've re-signed him to the league minimum, which is like 90, 95,000. Seems like a lot of... Uh, unnecessary headaches uh, to, to, you know, keep 15,000 or so out of Ima Boateng's pocket. Uh, but the important thing is, I guess, they keep him on the supplemental roster, which is the uh, the goal all along. So, uh, Tom, what do you think about Ima Boateng coming back? Uh, are you excited about him uh, returning to New England for another season? Yeah, uh, I'm really glad that they, I mean, they seem to go through this with him every year for financial reasons. So, you know, that, that aside, uh, you know, he's a great player to have on a, on a win now team. Uh, he's shown that he can start. He's shown that he's also able to come off and you know make an immediate impact off the bench. Uh, you know he's an MLS veteran. He's been in MLS since 2016. Uh, he's played you know 66 games with the Revs now, 28 starts. So about half the time he starts, half the time he comes off the bench. Uh, he's chipped in with some important goals and assists. Uh, so yeah, I think he's a, he's a great guy to have around. Uh, he seems happy enough to get his option denied every year and come back. So he. He must like it here uh, as well. Otherwise, I'd imagine he'd be looking to go somewhere else. Uh, so, yeah, so I think it's a it's a good signing. And, and maybe next year uh, they'll just pick the option up. Well, that's, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Sam, Sam, what's your thought on Ema coming back? Yeah, personally, I'm not that surprised, especially kind of talking to him in exit interviews. It seemed like he was someone who wanted to stay. It was just kind of a matter of, you know, getting both sides to come to an agreement and, He's someone who loves Boston and especially just as a super sub has done a, a great job. And it's kind of stunning that the rest of the league hasn't even tried to give him just even a little bit of a raise. Cause obviously, like you said, 
he is kind of on that senior minimum salary. Uh, but not not surprising. Is interesting to kind of see. We had Bruce's guys. Now we're looks like we're having a little bit of uh, Caleb's crew uh, coming in. You got Jonathan Mensa, which we'll probably get to as well. But also to Ima Boateng spending some time there winning MLS Cup in 2020. It's not surprising. Again, you know, if you're going to get him for that cheap, uh, which is probably criminal uh, to Ima Boateng, probably deserves a little bit more money. Uh, but if you're going to get him to sign for that, um, that's good on the revs. Uh, but hopefully he can occupy a senior roster spot uh, uh, next year. I mean, I think he's well-deserving just with his ability to kind of change the pace of a game, whether it be scoring goals or just kind of creating them as well, too, as a super sub. So happy to have him back. Uh, always a great guy to talk to. Uh, but maybe just let's, let's give him a little bit of a raise next season. Yes. Well, this is year, year two in a row where it seems like the Rebs have known his market. I know Sean and I talked about this last offseason where it didn't really make sense to us to decline his option. I think uh, two years ago he made about 250 and we felt that was good enough for an impact sub off the bench. He pretty much waited all uh, all offseason to sign. He, he did preseason as a trial with the Rebs. He apparently didn't have a market out there. I don't understand why. He seems like a perfectly suitable winger off the bench. Um, doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me to why there is no one offering Ima Boateng a senior roster spot, which is essentially just more than the minimum salary uh, of a player of his age. So it's bizarre to me. I don't understand it. But I will say with uh, Dylan Barrero still out for the beginning of the season, I believe Caleb Porter said at the press conference his timeline to return is around April or May. Uh, I think you could use more wingers uh, at the beginning of the season. So I think it's smart to bring him back, smart to bring him back uh, into New England, a place he's familiar with. And I'm curious, too, if midseason, if they need a roster, he's on the supplemental roster, so maybe there's not that much of a need. But if he's potentially uh, someone that they could use uh, in a trade to acquire uh, someone else uh, at, you know, in, in the summer transfer window. Uh, it is worth noting, too, and you tease the other signing there, Sam, uh, we did have one more signing in Jonathan Mensa. We'll get to him in a minute. But it is worth noting that right now, the revolution of 31 players uh, under contract, Thomas Vetsleek, we assume, is going to be bought out. But the, even if Vetsleek is uh, bought out, there's 19 players on the senior roster, and there is 11 on the supplemental roster. So there's going to be something that has to give there. Either the Revs are going to have to make a loan of one of their players moving them out. Uh, they're going to trade someone. They're going to have to find a way to uh, get someone off of that supplemental roster. I assume loaning someone to Revs 2 makes the most sense for the season. Uh, but uh, it is interesting. And, and by the way, that supplemental roster, uh, Esmir, Joshua Bulma, Noel Buck, Malcolm Fry, Peyton Miller, uh, Jack Paniatu, Santiago Suarez, Jacob Jackson, Damian Rivera, and Ryan Spaulding. Something's got to give there. One of those guys is not going to be on the revolution in 2024. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, find their way to compliance uh, before the beginning of the season. So uh, one more signing, Jonathan Mensa, 33-year-old center back, formerly played with San Jose last season. He started 21 games out there for the uh, Western Conference side. He also played from 2017 to 2022 with the Columbus crew, uh, including uh, tenure under Caleb Porter winning MLS Cup in 2020. He started 23-plus games there every single year. A very veteran center back strikes me as a Omar Gonzalez type, a guy that is in the twilight of his career, uh, veteran center back that can kind of 
coach up the uh, the younger guys uh, and give you a veteran presence, uh, but not necessarily someone who's going to go out there, start 30 games for you. Tom, let me get your thoughts on Jonathan Mensah. What do you think of this signing? Uh, and do you think the Revs did a good thing? Does this fill an area of need? Another center back, they already got Romney and Kessler. Uh, they have Farrell as a backup. Uh, what do you think of the signing? Do you think this was an area of need? Uh, well, Porter said that uh, Farrell, along with Nick Lima, is going to be needed to cover uh, right back until uh, until Bai comes back. And, and we found out that Bai probably isn't going to be back until late summer, which is very nicely vague. Uh, late summer could be August or in New England. Sometimes it's October. Uh, so I think there's definitely going to be a need for Farrell to possibly get some time out wide. Um so if that's the case, then, you know, I, I think you do need to have a, at least a third center back uh, behind Kessler and, uh, and Rami or someone that can push those two guys as well. I, a lot of people are really big on Kessler. I'm, I'm probably not his biggest fan. Uh, so having a couple other options besides him, um, I think, I think helps them out. Unless, Before, sorry, unless he, you know, unless he is the 2022 Omar Gonzalez vintage, um, <laughs> that will not help. Yes, we want we want 2023 Omar Gonzalez, not 2022 Omar Gonzalez. Wait, I, I need to dig into this uh, Henry Kessler hate here. Former former Revolution recap guest Henry Kessler. Tom, what do you not like about Henry Kessler other than the fact that he's missed most of the last two seasons? No, I, it's not, look, I don't I don't not like uh, you know professional soccer players that I've not met. Uh, I just every <laughs> time I every time I hear a conversation about Farrell and Kessler, it's it's always a, whether it's a random people sitting behind me at Gillette or just other conversations. Uh, it, it just sounds like it's a foregone conclusion that, that Kessler is, is going to be in over Farrell whenever the two of them are available. Um, I, I think Kessler's just safer. You know, he's, he's a little bit safer with the ball. He, he keeps his passes a little bit simpler. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get caught up the field quite as much as Farrell. Um, so I get it. I get it that Farrell, you know, he had a, a bit of a run last season where he made a couple of mistakes. He got caught out of position, that sort of thing. Um, I, I just like Farrell a bit more. I just think he's a bit more of a risk taker with the ball. He looks to kind of pick out passes, uh, whereas Kessler just kind of keeps things uh, safe, which I understand. Most people like the center backs to kind of keep things safe. Um, so I, I think I'm pretty much the only person that, you know, if both were available, I, I would prefer to see Farrell over Kessler. Uh, but I can, yeah, I can see that I'm, pretty much the only person i know aside from my wife that thinks that way so <laughs> well your wife is always right that's what i've learned over the years <laughs> sam uh let's get back to jonathan mensa what do you think of the signing do you think first is it a good signing and two was this an area of need the revs should have gone for yeah i definitely think it's it's a good veteran move uh you know you did lose omar gonzalez you did lose christian mccoon you did kind of need some cover there uh, but center back wasn't exactly, you know, the biggest area of need, I, I would say. Obviously, I think you need some help on the wing um, when it comes to, you know, Dylan Barrero missing some time. I still think you need some help at uh, outside back. You, you did get Nick Lima, but you also did lose, um, you know, some coverage in left back. Obviously, you have Ryan Spaulding, you have Peyton Miller, um, you know, behind DeLon Jones. But I think you still need a little bit more in terms of depth there and, you know, Obviously, uh, Peyton Miller projects well. You also do have Santiago Suarez, who can play right back um, also, as well as center back. So you do have those young guys. But I do think it is smart to bring in a veteran like Mensa. Again, someone who knows Caleb Porter can kind of help that acclimation progress with a new head coach. So definitely excited to see what he can do. And 
We'll be interested to see what it means for Andrew Farrell. Obviously, it seems like he has a spot uh, at right back, but once Brandon Bay does return, what does his role look like? You know, is he basically a, a bench guy, or will we be able to see him usurp Kessler? You know, I definitely think that Farrell, like Tom mentioned, is able to do some things that Kessler doesn't, especially, you know, his long ball passing ability, I think, can kind of be underrated when it comes to someone like Farrell. But obviously, there are the mistakes that he does make. And it really does seem like, you know, as Tom kind of mentioned, that Kessler and Romney have it kind of locked down in the starting 11, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, so really interested to see what Andrew Farrell does this season and just what his role looks like, especially, you know, when Brandon Bide does come back. And I think, too, when you look at the uh, Ima Boateng, too, kind of I, I look at this in the short term, not necessarily in the long term. Right now, by bringing in Mensa, if Andrew Farrell needs to move over to right back, he provides cover for Nick Lima. So right now you have uh, two left backs and two right backs. You have Lima and Farrell on the right. You have Dewan Jones and Ryan Spaulding on the left. And now you have a third center back too if Farrell needs to move out there. The beginning of the season, you're going to have a lot of fixture congestion. You're going to have Champions League games. Again, shout out Klimpier and the Columbus crew for letting us qualify for that, uh, that, that competition, which we so rightfully deserved. Uh, but you're going to have a lot of roster. Oh, you're going to have a lot of roster congestion uh, at the beginning of the season. And um, yeah, I, I think it's just good to make sure you have enough cover in the back because we certainly don't want a repeat of a few years ago when the Revs go down with Omar Gonzalez and John Bell. And we remember all the injury issues they had uh, down there uh, against Pumas. So I, I think it's smart to shore up the back line and, Maybe there's going to be some movement out in the summer transfer window. Maybe we're going to see some pieces move around. But for the immediate future, uh, this is, I think, the right thing to do for the Revs to attack the first half of the season. It is worth also noting that this is a one-year contract for Jonathan Mensah with a team option for 2025. So low risk if it does not uh, end up turning out very well. So the, the one other thing, though, I'll mention is we talked about Andrew Farrell a lot, what this means for him. If Brandon Bay comes back, Andrew Farrell might suddenly be a third or fourth center back and a third string right back. Um, you know, last year he got paid TAM money. His salary was up in the 650 range. Uh, and, and I know we've talked about his salary. They boosted his salary so they could apply TAM to his contract uh, and they extended his, his option again this year. I'm curious if his option year, if his salary drops down or if it's still 650,000, because that's a, a lot for a backup center back slash right back. Uh, and I'm curious to see if maybe there was just a one year spike in 2023 uh, and his option for 2024 and 2025 is more so what his salary was before, which was 300, 400,000. It'll be interesting to see if the revs kind of thought ahead uh, money wise like that. Um, We've talked about, we talk about all the, the roster rules, Tom. You're going to get used to it. We get in the weeds with all the MLS crypto. Uh, MLS crypto, baby. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we love it. We talk supplemental roster spots. We talk TAM. We talk contract options. Oh, God bless MLS. Um, <laughs> I will say one thing that we don't get in MLS is uh, transparency. And one thing I like, we talked, we've touched on it already. One thing I liked about Caleb Porter so far is we've gotten injury timelines. I don't remember ever getting any of those injury timelines uh, under Bruce Arena. Uh, so very happy to see uh, Caleb Porter talk about injury timelines when we can expect Brandon by back sometime between August and December, you know, Christmas time, as Tom said. Uh, Barrero, we can expect in April, May. Uh, he had his intro press conference last week. Sam, you were there. Um, what was your key takeaways from Caleb Porter's introduction press conference and by the way this press conference is available at, at full at full length 
on the Blazing Muskets YouTube page. So make sure you go there and subscribe while you're there. Subscribe to the, the Blazing Muskets YouTube. But Sam, uh, what'd you think of Caleb Porter's introduction to the media? Yeah, it was definitely, you know, an interesting, definitely a different uh, kind of tone, I guess you could say, compared to Bruce Arena. Uh, was for, for me, what really stood out is when I asked him about uh, Giacomo Vrioni. And he really seems to be someone who believes in him, uh, really talked about all the skills that he does have. You know, mentioned that he does have to work kind of, you know, to become a more complete striker with his kind of hold-up play um, back to the net, improving those skills. But he's someone that Caleb Porter, I think, clearly rates. And I think especially after last season, there was some, you know, discouragement, failed to really, you know, stay in the starting eleven. I think he ended up coming off the bench for more than half of his appearances, but he was able to score nine goals in total. And, you know, I, even myself, I was someone who's wondering if the Reds could possibly move on from him uh, in the off season, you know, you, you lost Gustavo Bo, and, you know, this was kind of a real opportunity to go out and get a DP striker who could work for you. But Caleb Porter, I think clearly rates him. If you look at the roster construction, I think that basically proves it because it is Brioni, Bobby Wood, and no other real natural strikers. So, you know, that also could be an area of need where the revolution need to find some depth, um, you know, with those natural strikers. You have someone like Thomas Shankalai who can kind of, you know, move into a striker position up top if need be. But I think we all agree he's probably best suited out on the wing. Uh, so really what stood out is his comments on Giacomo Vrioni. And it seems like he's going to be a crucial part of a New England Revolution 2024. Yeah, no Justin Renex to fill in for him if he struggles either. So, Tom, uh, what did you think of Caleb Porter's introduction uh, press conference to the media? Uh, uh, so, first of all, what Sam said about Veroni, um, I, I think whatever Porter actually really thinks, I think he's smart enough to understand that Kurt, very, Kurt and Awful very clearly believes in Veroni. He's on a large contract that has some time to run on it. So if you look at it from Porter's point of view, the guy that just hired you thinks that Veroni is great. Uh, he's on a lot of money and he's not going anywhere. So it's really in Porter's best interest to speak highly of his highest paid uh, striker, considering that, you know, look, Bobby Wood had a good start to last season. He kind of fell off. He, he stayed healthy for the entire year. Uh, that That's, you know, that's unfortunately not really a Bobby Wood thing. Uh, so I just having been someone before, like whenever I had a, a striker, you always try and talk them up. You always try and, you know, stay positive with them. You don't talk about the shots that they miss. You only talk about the ones that they, you know, that they make and that sort of thing. And a striker's confidence is, is really critically important. So whatever Porter really honestly thinks about Ferroni, um, you know, I, I think it's in his best interest and the team's best interest to just be as positive with him as, as possible. Um, because, you know, him having confidence is ultimately what's going to help him, uh, you know, score some goals. And, and that's, you know, that's going to be to everyone's benefit. Um, but maybe he does really believe in him. But, you know, it, it, <laughs> either way, if he does, great. If he doesn't, he's doing a good job of faking it, which he kind of has to do anyway. Um, there's there's a lot from the, the press conference. There's a lot of, you know, the, the, the usual, uh, you know, yada, 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 um, you know, great ownership, great GM, great team. Uh, you know, the best training facility I've ever seen in my life, which is the word for word, exact same thing he said two years ago about Columbus Crew's new training facility. But anyway, well, um, maybe he hadn't seen New England's yet. Yeah, no, no, no. That's true. That's true. That, 
you know, but it's, it's, you got to do all these things, right? Tick stadium. Great fans. Great, 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 great. Um, oh yeah. I've admired so, them from afar. Yeah, I've always, yeah. I've always yeah. looked at the New England revolution. I said, that is a premier MLS franchise. That's yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So much history. Yeah. The, the entire two trophies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He did. He did say one thing that I I've never heard a coach actually say publicly that I I actually am very excited about. He said uh, an important piece is how how we can minimize injuries if we're good. I actually can't believe he said this. He actually went on record in his first press conference and said, "If we're good with our planning, you can't you can't avoid some injuries, but soft tissue soft tissue injuries you can avoid." It's a mistake. Make sure our planning is good in terms of periodizing the players physically. Uh, after two years of the last coach basically just using injuries as an excuse, you know, just, well, we had a lot of injuries, blah, 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 blah. Like that, just two years of that's, he just kept going to that same thing over and over and over. The fact that he actually came out and said, and I, I agree with him completely, um, it makes me suggest that, that uh, there's a guy called Raymond Verheimen. Uh, that he he made a name for himself on Twitter by uh, annoying a lot of people with his tweets, which is obviously is a thing. That's how you do it on Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that he put periodization of of training and all of that into into his response makes me believe that you know he also believes that uh, soft tissue injuries are are you know non contact soft tissue injuries are things that can be prevented. So I'll be very interested to see. If that is is something that that develops with the revs, uh, you know, in 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 however many seasons it is that he's here, uh, and again, I give him a lot of credit because he he just took one of his excuses. He took one of the best excuses that coaches use is to just blame injuries, and right away in his first press conference, almost unprompted, said, "Well, you know what? Sometimes it's our fault." Um, so I I was actually really excited about that. That was kind of the first thing that that I kind of jolted back and was like, oh, that that actually isn't something that you hear in a press conference uh, from a, a coach that's just been hired. So that, that that would be great because it's certainly been an issue uh, for, you know, for the last couple of years. I would have loved if Porter said, we're also going to make sure the players can physically play for us before we finalize the deals because that also has been apparently a problem uh, for the New England Revolution. This is all over my head. I, I'm more of the MLS crypto guy. Uh, I have no idea. I, I, injury prevention, medical stuff, I have no idea. But uh, that is a, a very interesting point. And that is certainly something that has plagued the Revolution for the last couple of years. I'm sure he's not excited coming into a team where Dylan Barrero and Brandon Bay, uh, he, those he already is a little bit hampered by injuries that he's acquiring. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and if the Revs stay a little healthier uh, this following year. I do want to go back to Frioni, though, for a second. Uh, the, the exact quote here from Caleb Porter, I believe that Giacomo will work out, and if I didn't, I would have told Kurt that right away. I think that's very interesting. I think that's a very definitive statement from Porter. We're getting some some shaking heads. I'm also a doubter. I'm not in the Verioni camp at all. Uh, but one, if they're using the uh, buyout on Thomas Vatsleek, you only get one buyout a year where it doesn't count against your cap. If you are going to use it on anyone, it would be Vrioni, and it would open up a designated player spot. If Vatsleek is being bought out, you're stuck with Vrioni. So he must believe this to some degree. Uh, but but two, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, Vrioni didn't really work out in this system with, you know, it was Bruce Arena. He doesn't really have any tactics or whatever. Maybe Caleb Porter sees something that Bruce Arena did not see. Again, 
I'm a skeptic. I'm I'm not in love with this, but it's they seem pretty confident in it, and and that's what they're rolling with. So that'll be interesting. Uh, one thing too that came up in the press conference that I would like to talk about. We mentioned uh, Kurt Anolfo and friends. Uh, a lot of the friends will be sticking around in Foxborough for the next season. Uh, Caleb Porter uh, confirming that Clint PA, first off, will be an assistant coach for the New England Revolution. Clint PA, of course, the mastermind that guided the Revolution to the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, but uh, Clint PA and two other assistants. Uh, we know that one of those assistants will be Kevin Hitchcock. He confirmed it on Twitter. Uh, we don't know who the other assistant is, uh, but Kurt Adolfo also said that, quote, Richie Williams is a valuable member of the organization. And they are one, they're looking at how to incorporate uh, Richie Williams. Uh, one other thing, too, uh, Tom Quinlan reported after the press conference that Richie Williams has been offered the Revolution 2 job. So not a lot of not a lot of change. That's obviously news to Tom. That's a live reaction. Uh, I was going to go to Tom, but he's laughing. So let's go to Sam while Tom catches his breath. Sam, uh, are you a little surprised with the lack of turnover among the coaching staff? Uh, or do you have no no problems with this? I mean, uh, definitely Kevin Hitchcock, sure. Stay, uh, even him, you know, you almost have a little bit of pause uh, with the whole kind of Vasily situation. Kind of a bit unprofessional if what Vasily is saying is true. Uh, but let's get to the elephant in the room. Uh, I'm quite stunned that Richie Williams is staying with the organization. Again, we do not know the full story. Uh, we will probably never know the full story. Uh, but the fact that Richie and I would say Kurt and Alfo are still with the organization – is a choice, um, especially with the opportunity to bring in a new GM, new kind of sporting director, an opportunity to kind of, you know, let Richie go, kind of go quietly, you could even say. And, you know, wherever he does end up, he ends up. Uh, you had a clear opportunity to make a fresh start, kind of move past this Bruce Arena era and whatever has happened. And the Revs decided not to do that. They named Kurt Anolfo, uh the sporting director. And now it looks like Richie Williams is going to be staying in the organization in some capacity. I mean, it seems really hard for him to stay with the first team, uh, according to the reports from The Athletic. They weren't exactly pleased uh, under his leadership. So, you know, going to Revs 2 might make sense, but you have to wonder what those Revs 2 players will think. Uh, maybe he could end up as a scout where he's not really that associated with the ins and outs in terms of, you know, working with the players um but you know definitely revs 2 could be a possibility we now know that is an open position uh but especially with richie it's quite surprising uh it seems like clint pa has really used the most of his opportunity and is now you know become an mls assistant marcelo santos uh that will be someone to keep an eye on does he go back to revs 2 is he also going to join clint pa uh you know with the first team uh but it was, it was definitely a little bit shocking i remember you know i was i was talking with seth and you know he tweeted out that quote and I almost I must have blanked and just didn't even realize it. I'm like, wait, did Kurt really say this? And he's like, yep. And I'm like, oh, oh man, because uh, I think we all assume that Richie Williams is going to be gone. Uh, but that coaching staff will definitely be interesting to see, and I think we'll all be interested interested to see, you know, where Richie Williams ends up. And one thing before I get to Tom is that uh, I think Marcelo Santos is the odd man out guy by default because I don't know what other coaches are left unless they're talking about Rob Becerra moving up as an assistant uh, at Revs 1, maybe Brad Knighton. I'm not sure what other assistant they're referring to. I assume Marcelo Santos, since he was the de facto assistant coach, is staying with the team. I guess maybe Tab Ramos? I guess he technically was oh, yeah. assistant Don't coach. Oh, yeah, Tab Ramos. Thank you, Greg. Thank great. you, Greg. Oh, geez, that just occurred to me. Well, great. All right, so, no, yeah, okay, whatever. Tom, 
you have thoughts. What are they? <laughs> well, you know, I thought we were, we were getting rid of all the baloney, right? No more baloney. Okay. Well, all the guys that made the baloney are still here. So I don't, I don't really see like, I, I, I get it. Right. I've come into coaching positions before and have really enjoyed having someone else around that knows, knows the players, knows the organization. Like I, I totally get that aspect. And that's the thing that, that many, many coaches do uh, in, in any sport when they go to, you know, when they go to a new team. Um, but the fact that, 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 that guy is going to be Clint PA. I mean, I just, I don't, I hope he doesn't take any tactical advice from him. You know, if he comes in and says, Hey, look, I've devised a plan that will allow us to get even more out of a, a very average defensive midfielder. Um, we're just going to, you know, we're going to build the entire team around him. You know, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he was clearly in over his head, right? I mean, the last game of this, the, the season in the, in the playoffs, you know, it was like Tommy McNamara was like playing like left back or something like that. And they had, I mean, like, just complete and total random substitutions. Like that's, you know, that's what I do in a FIFA game when I'm down three, nothing. And there's 10 minutes left. And it's like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm just going to bring on all the midfielders. Uh, I, I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, the goalkeeping coach situation, you know, it's very childish and unprofessional to not talk to one of the, the three people that you're supposed to talk to for six weeks. I mean, if any one of us did that at our job, oh yeah, no, I'm, I don't, I don't talk to that guy. It's like, what, 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 what do you mean you don't talk to him? Mm-hmm. You're the goalkeeping coach. He's a goalkeeper. This is what we pay you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I know. Okay, Turner was a great goalkeeper. Petrovic was, you know, probably the best goalkeeper that has ever stepped foot in MLS. Um, I, I, I don't know that you can give him all the credit for that. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know it. And then <laughs> Richie. <laughs> <laughs> The guy, guy's been on a, a, a two-month vacation, which I just assumed was okay. He's on vacation until his contract runs out, and we're just going to quietly, you know, let this guy go away. And I'm sure Kurt had his fingers crossed today or at the press conference. You know, please just nobody ask about Richie. Um, <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, yeah. you, you know, we're turning over a, a new leaf, a fresh start, all this, you know, all this yada, yada, yada. It's like, but everybody is still here except for – you know, except for Bruce, and you know, again, uh, as of the last three or four press press conferences, we, we still don't know why he's not here. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we talk. You hit on something that I think is really important to say that Kevin Hitchcock, whatever happened with Thomas Fetzleek, I don't care if if Hitchcock was not involved in the scouting or wasn't involved in you know had no input or whatever. I don't know what the situation was, but it is an indictment on you as a coach if one of again. You said it. One of the three players on the senior roster that you're coaching is saying he didn't even talk to me. That's the number one goalkeeper that you brought in that was supposed to replace Georgie Petrovic. And you, you know, it seemed like he is completely in the dark. Maybe he's lying. I doubt it. Uh, I, I'm not totally sure what exactly happened there with Hitchcock, but it, it's not a good look for him. So maybe now, maybe Ravas is his guy and great. But you know, as I said at the beginning, you know, Jacob Jackson was supposed to be his guy. And he's a third stringer. They, they've kept Earl Edwards Jr. They've re-signed him to a contract extension because apparently they don't think Jacob Jackson can take over as the number two. So I, I'm curious to see exactly how this goes out. And I think a lot is writing on this signing for the revolution because apparently this is Hitchcock's guy. Um, now, with that being said, 
He has a good track record with Turner, with Petrovic. I don't think you can give him all the credit in the world for both of their developments, obviously more for Turner than Petrovic, but he was still there and contributed to the development a little bit. He still made them better players. You know, Matt Turner went from coming out of Fairfield to going to the Premier League. Uh, Petrovic went from a $1 million signing to a $17 million signing in 18 months. I, I do think you have to give uh, uh, Hitchcock some credit there. So I, I think he has the track record that I'm not upset that he's staying with the team. Um, with that yeah. said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll, I'll you you respond, and then I'll get to this other baloney. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no, I mean that is that is fair enough. Like, uh, I, there's there's two sides to whatever happened. Um, you know, with Vok, like there's two sides to that story. You know, we're obviously never going to hear the other side of it because that's just how it goes. Um, so you, you kind of just have to hope that it it wasn't as bad as as one side of the story made it out to be. But yeah, I mean, Tur Turner in particular, you know. You know, Turner turned into a a good shot stopping goalkeeper uh, who commanded his area well, and I do think you have to you do have to give him a lot of credit for working with him and, and developing him, um, because yeah, I, I don't think no one expected him to to come to the Rebs for you know and and then have his next stop be to go over to to uh, the Premier League, right? So yeah, I, you do have to give him credit. The only thing that, like you said, if it wasn't for the whole unprofessional behavior. Uh, allegedly, you know, then yeah, sure. It makes tons of sense to keep him around. Well, and, and let's expand this. Shawry Joseph, Dave Vandenberg walk off the job. You know, they, they didn't get along with Richie Williams. Fine. They walk off of a practice. They walk out of a practice and they, they do their protest or whatever. I mean, once that happens, you're probably not staying in that locker room, right? Once you, you know, if I, if I don't like a, you know, if someone gets promoted to manager or interim manager at my job and I walk out and I protest, I'm not staying at that job much longer. Right. So, so, you know, there's certain tension points that I think you kind of relieve the locker room of, and you try to bring back in that cohesion and you get rid of the people uh, that, that cause that disruption, that disruption. With that said, Richie Williams, Richie Williams is coming back. I don't know why his contract's up. <laughs> you, we, we've talked about it. The athletic reported that his contract was up at the end of the season. He was given notice. His contract would be, be not renewed by Bruce Arena at the end of the season. So, Look, let's say hypothetically, Richie Williams is one of. I'm going to make the devil's advocate. Richie Williams did nothing wrong. Argument. Ready? Richie Williams is one of many people. He's the only person that we know of that filed this complaint against Bruce Arena. Richie Williams is also Bruce Arena's number two assistant, and he's a tactical genius. He's an amazing assistant coach. He's a model citizen. Great. The last time we saw him before his little sabbatical, the team didn't want to play for him. The team had no respect for him, right? So why doesn't he want a fresh start? Not only the team, but why wouldn't he want to go somewhere else and coach somewhere else? Because to me, what this looks like is the team, again, seem to have sympathy for him and want to keep him, and they're giving him a new contract because he's so smart and so valuable. He's so great. But, but we can't keep him in the locker room, so we're going to give him to Revs 2? What good does Revs 2 do? Why would you do that? What Clint PA is fine at Revs 2. Keep PA at Revs 2. Or put Brad Knight at Revs 2. What good does Richie Williams sending him to Revs 2 do for you? There's no benefit to that. He's either not 
a great assistant coach that you want to just shove to, to revs too, or he's a really good coach that you want on your sideline that you want to stick by. And they're kind of splitting the baby here and they're just giving him the revs two position out of guilt. I don't understand. There's, he's still going to see all of the players. It's still going to be a weird locker room. Why are they doing this? Why does he want this? None of this makes any sense. There's no reason for Rich Williams to come back to this organization. And again, that's not even if that's assuming he has no guilt at all in this. Right. So, it's a very bizarre situation and uh, I I'm stunned that they are forcing this and yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm massively confused. I understand Clint He's the genius that got us to the champions league. I understand Marcelo Santos. I understand Kevin Hitchcock. I even understand Kurt Alfo because he was a great, he was a fine as a technical director. And before his press conference where he did his baloney speech, no one cared about Kurt Alfo. And then he said the baloney thing and we all hate him. He doesn't interact with the players day to day. Now we're bringing back Richie Williams just to be nice. Why? Why are we doing this? This makes no sense. The only thing I can think of is that his contract doesn't actually end in 2023, and they need to find something for him to do to, until his contract runs out. But I, I don't think that's what's happening here. So completely bizarre decision. There's no need to do this. They're doing it to themselves. And all of this, by the way, is assuming – I mean, it, it seems like what the, the, the focus is is, okay, Bruce Arena's gone. Let's keep everything – the same as it was before Bruce left. Let's have the same scouting department. Let's have the same – the technical director will move to sporting director. Let's keep most of the coaches. Great. The problem is they were all there when things fell apart. So why would things revert back to pre-Bruce Arena era? It seems like we might just be staying in the, the baloney era, for lack of a better term. It makes no sense. This is all very stupid. And if there was ever a time to – move out coaches that cause tension and cause problems that didn't have the respect of the locker room. It's when you bring in a new head coach, the new head coach is going to come in and bring his own guys. Thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get, I, aren't you glad you guys have me on video for this? Normal, <laughs> yeah, this is our first, perfect episode to do we're, this. We're recording. We, we're all seeing each other and I can see you guys just laughing at me while I'm ranting, but it doesn't make any sense. There's, I can't make a single devil's advocate argument for bringing Richie Williams back to the New England Revolution. And again, maybe he's a, a sweetheart of a human being that did absolutely nothing wrong. But shutting uh, him to Revs 2 does nothing. Yeah, I, right. I, I don't even... Uh, Isn't well, that a demotion? Know. Aren't you demoting him to Revs 2? It is quite he's literally so, a demotion. He's, so, he's such a great coach. We can't afford to lose him. We're going <laughs> to shove him to MLS next pro. All right, yeah. I'm talking. People are tired I, of me yelling. Go for it. Yeah, I. it doesn't, it doesn't speak well to... You know, you know they, they they talk about how great the academy is, and and you know they want to keep bringing players through there. It's, you know, the the head coach of that team has to have a, a different mindset uh, to the the coaches that are involved with the first team. The first team is all about winning, and that's it. Uh, coaching revs too is, you know, there's there's a large developmental piece that goes along with that, and and I don't know the last time that Richie Williams was working in a more of a developmental environment. I mean, he like, you know, maybe when he was a college coach, but you know that 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 was a long time ago. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. And for you know, for for Porter, I don't know. He you know he made it sound like this is where he wanted to be, and kind of made it sound like he you know he had a lot of offers, and he was out of the game for a year. And you know, it's like I I don't know. I, I hope he got some assurances as to as to how this whole thing is, is, is going to work out because he's, he's inheriting an, an awful lot. He's inheriting coaches, uh, a sporting director and, and almost an entire roster. So there's, there's not a whole lot he can really kind of change. Um, 
which I guess from his point of view is if things don't work out, then he can turn around and say, well, hey, you know, what do you want me to do? I got here and the place is a disaster and everyone was still here. So I did the best I could. It wasn't injuries. It was all of these other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sam, any final thoughts here about Rich Williams or, or anything else about the Porter introductory press conference? Um, first, I just want to give kudos to Greg and Tom for some of the greatest podcasting, at least of 2024, um, possibly longer. Um, but yeah, um, just to kind of, you know, say everything that's already been said, this is very weird. Um, you know, Richie Williams, I assume, would want to be in MLS uh, to kind of have him now be an MLS Sex Pro. Probably isn't ideal for him. He would probably like to be you know, in a top league, you know, he is, you know, a former MLS assistant, you know, national team, whatever, whatever, you know, he, he's kind of been there. And I think going to MLS pro is a demotion. Um, I think the only thing, you know, kind of Tom is mentioning is that, you know, he, he inherited a lot of, you know, what was previously here. The only thing you can really do is what Bruce Arena hated to talk about. Oh, it's tactics. And, you know, we're having press releases where we're talking about a goalkeeper coming in and fitting our game model. And kind of, you know, this new kind of tactical overview, you know, someone like Caleb Porter controlling possession, um, you know, wanting to press the opponent and kind of bring this new kind of thinking. Because I think, you know, when it came to Bruce, there was a lot of three three balling and, you know, players being able to do what they want to do. And I think there's going to be a bit more structure here. And I think that Caleb Porter is going to bring more of a tactical mindset to the game and not really just you know, let's, let's go ball and see what happens. So I think that's really the the biggest place he can make an impact considering everything that he is inheriting. It's just going to see if, you know, the revs now controlling possession, you know, what's going to happen to, you know, the, the wing backs who are used to be going forward, what's going to happen to the midfield. You know, Caleb Porter is someone who kind of prefers a four, two, three, one, that won't really affect the revs. That's kind of their prefer, preferred formation, but it's just going to be really interesting to see just kind of the overall tactics and just how those are able to make an impact on the Reds in 2024. But yeah, coaching staff is is very interesting. I think Caleb Porter is going to bring in a few of, you know, his guys uh, to kind of fill it out. Uh, but, you know, you're still going to have uh, Clint P.A. You're still going to have Kevin Hitchcock and Richie Williams is going to be somewhere. It's just figuring out where that's going to be. And it's going to be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Sam, can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. All right, I want you to imagine a game, okay? on the road in spite not playing very well and creating that many chances you somehow are up one nothing at halftime of this game on the road yes uh you pressed a little bit you know you kind of pressed here and there maybe sometimes they play it back to the keeper okay yeah we're gonna go ahead and go and press now we're gonna engage high up the field um you know we're pretty compact centrally you know we got numbers in to defend the penalty area uh so we're, you know we're doing all right we're going to halftime uh we're up one nothing the second half uh, we apply far less pressure. Uh, you know, we drop off. We show a very limited ability to connect passes and build out of the back. Uh, our center forward, who we subbed off at halftime, even after he scored, and we put on an attacking midfielder in his place. Uh, and we're just kind of trying to cling on here to this this one nothing lead, uh, which we blow and fall behind two to one by giving up a goal in the 72nd and 80th minute, uh, and then only because of a miraculous inability of someone else to cover our center forward who's not a center forward we score with our third of three shots uh in the second half of the game and and run out with a 2-2 draw in a game in which we had 36 percent possession do you know what team and game that is in reference to uh i believe if i had to guess this has something to do with clint pa uh, clint pa masterclass 
No. Oh no. This is oh, a no. quarter. This is a quarter. Oh no. Wait, wait, can I guess? Is, is yeah. this a is this a uh is this a Columbus Crew game on their way to MLS Cup? Is that where this is going? No. Oh, okay. It is this a this it is a very a specific example. Yeah, I watched. I, I watched Tom I watched, exposing me for not being the tactical genius that Bruce said I was. <laughs> <laughs> I watched. I watched this game back today, uh, May seventh, twenty twenty two, at Gillette Stadium, two two draw between the Columbus Crew with Caleb Porter uh, coaching against the yeah the New England Revolution. They, well, well, that game the Revs had Bruce Arena, who also is another tactical genius. He's known for his tactics. He had Richie Williams, who I just said in the last segment is a genius. You know, knows everything the best. And Revs too is going to go undefeated next week. <laughs> it, it was it was quite the game to watch actually because it's like oh hey there's Shaw Reed oh there's oh and Richie's still here oh there's Bruce oh <laughs> in happier times Bruce remember him remember the guy that could jump and head the ball yeah he was there too wow yeah oh, Bruce, oh, Bruce. Josie Josie was there twenty twenty two vintage Omar Gonzalez was there he by the way was the one that uh, couldn't mark another human being running into the penalty area uh, yeah so Porter you know he said you'll know what that identity is in terms of playing style. Uh, an aggressive, proactive way of playing, deciding the game with the ball. Again, 36% possession. Aggressive without the ball. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, but need to be adaptable and be pragmatic from game to game. Uh, so that to me is, is that kind of sounds like Bruce at certain times where, yeah, we'll play, you know, we'll move the ball forward. We'll try and make stuff happen you know, if it's convenient for us, like if we're at home uh, playing against a weaker opponent, sure. But like, you know, we're not going to go and do this on the road, you know, like we're not going to have the ball, you know, that much on the road. And, you know, so I, I don't know. Uh, Porter seemed to talk a pretty big game about his playing style and, and that, you know, we'll just show up at Gillette and just be like, Oh, wow, this is, this is really something. I, I will say, too, uh, that uh, Andy from Revs Nation uh, wrote a full article about Caleb Porter and what you can kind of expect from him tactically. So that's some additional reading uh, for our listeners that they want to dig into the tactics uh, of Caleb Porter. But I, what I think is really encouraging is that Caleb Porter, you know, if he ever has any questions, he just turns. He's right there. Klimpier. Any any questions Caleb Porter might have right there, right hand man. Klimpier has got you covered, uh, you know, and, and between them. Caleb Porter has two MLS Cups. Klimpier has a Champions League berth. That is the dream team of coaching staffs right there. So, I uh, mean, I cannot wait for uh, Caleb Porter to be like, hey, Clint, I have this mixture of Matt Polster. <laughs> Should I play that left back? Maybe and Richie. Like, yeah. And center mid. Both. It's a dual role. Yeah, both. 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 Correct. Yes. Thank you. Shuffle in and then go back out. Yeah. Hear me out. Inverted winbacks, baby. Yeah. yeah. Rich, Richie Williams in a disguise as an assistant coach. So no one knows it's actually Richie Williams, but Richie Williams uh, in a disguise uh, on the, the revolution assistant bench. Uh, I, I think that might be a winning coach. So fans don't know Richie Williams is there uh, because there'd be some blowback there, but, but maybe that's the master plan and how they can incorporate Richie Williams. Um, so you're saying instead of Bobby V, we have Richie W. Exactly. I was, I was actually <laughs> thinking of Bobby Valentine and his, his mustache when I was thinking about this, that was exactly the, yes, we've, yep, yep, yep. All right. Move on. Dewan Jones, Esmir, called up to U.S. Uh, training camp. 
Uh, let's get some quick reactions here. Tom, uh, any reaction to Dewan Jones and Esmir? Esmir, I think, uh, is certainly significant. Uh, it certainly seems like he's making a splash at the national level, even though he's a little bit blocked here uh, for the revolution. Uh, were you surprised, and what's your reaction? Uh, no, I'm glad that Esmir got called up. I think it's you know it's, it's a good move for his career. Um, I, mean, I, think they, I think you always get some kind of random call-ups to this you know this this January camp. Um, but I think it, you know, it's good that they want to have him in and, and, and get a look at him. Um, and, you know, hopefully he gets a little bit more involvement with, I, it's going to be tough for him to get a lot of minutes, I think, but at the same time, uh, Porter did say that, uh, you know, he likes to have two players uh, in every position, you know, it's a long season, there's midweek games. And he also said that he likes to, uh, he said it's really important early in the year for for players to get a chance and, and kind of feel a part of, of what we're doing. Uh, so maybe Esmeri will have a, a bigger role. You know, the fact that Esmeri played less minutes last season than – I think he played less minutes than uh, Renix, you know, which is interesting uh, that he was on the field, you know, in a, on that, that, that limited of a basis. Um, you know, look, he is not anywhere near – Carlos Hill, right? But no one else on the team is anywhere near his level and anywhere near doing the types of things that he can do. Um, but Carlos is not going to be here forever. He's not getting any younger. And, you know, Esmer has a skill set where he could develop into a, a the type of player that Carlos is. Not as good, but a similar type of player. Uh, I, ha I, have another, I have another quiz for you guys. Um, <clears throat> in Last season, Carlos Hill played <clears throat> 24 through balls that were received by 24 completed through balls. Okay. How many did the entire rest of the team combined play? <laughs> I'm going to guess. Five. I thought that I was going to say, I think that number is a little low for Carlos Hill, too. I would have had it much higher than yeah. that. But now that, boy, now I'm really starting to wonder that. Uh, you said five. I'll go nine. Wow, you guys are pretty harsh. Uh, 20, 25. <laughs> I thought I you thought set us up, Tom. Below. Yeah. <laughs> but just think about that. The entire team completed 25 through balls. This this man by himself completed 24. Esmir, incidentally, completed zero. Oh. He did not play a successful through ball last season. Um, so I think that is something that he – has the skill set to add to his game. And if he wants to, you know, if he wants to get a bounce from this call up to the national team and find himself on the field more for the revs, I, I really think that that's something that for his own sake, but also again, it, it's a team that doesn't pick out those types of passes very often. Uh, but I, I think Esmer has the skill set to do that. And, uh, you know, again, like I said, hopefully this is a good confidence boost for him. Yeah, I got I got totally baffled on that one. I was like, well, that that's way lower than I thought. So I thought we were going real low. I don't know. Is that on? Uh, is that stat, uh, via Footmob? Do you know? I uh, know it's on uh, fbref.com. Fbref.com. Okay. FB for football, unfortunately. Right. But next uh, next podcast you're on, I'm going to have to do my studying. There's a lot of quizzing here, <laughs> but I ask the questions here. Um, Sam, I don't even remember what the question was, but well, we're talking Esmir Baratarovic and Dewan right. Jones getting called up to U.S. Men's National Team. I mean, yeah, it is a very big moment uh, for Esmir, but I think uh, what kind of stood out to me is that now Noel Buck is just, I guess, not American. Um, it seems like he's fully committed <laughs> to the British national team and national team setup. Uh, so 
it, it's really interesting to see how it all played out. Obviously, we had uh, the English Jersey Gate. We had uh, the dirt, you know, the whole locker room situation with uh, myself, Seth, and Tom Quinlan talking to him about the U.S. men's national team and, you know, getting looks with English uh, men's national team set up. Uh, but it just really seems like the U.S. has kind of, I want to say given up, but yeah, they've given up on uh, Noel Buck and kind of accepted that he's going to be a part of the English setup. And now I think it's a very big moment for Esmir kind of getting to prove that he deserves to kind of belong there. I don't know how many more call-ups, especially this season, we'll see him get. Dewan Jones definitely could be in line for a bit more. Uh, but really interested to see what Esmir can do. And it just looks like now uh, I'm just going to have to call no Buck, no British Buck, because apparently he's just not American and we cannot select him for any reason. And just for some additional context, the comments he said to you, Seth and Tom, he talked about how the United States, he didn't hear from them. Uh, essentially, he felt more wanted by the English national team than the United States. And it seemed like he was very pro uh, England uh, in terms of uh, wh- what country he would represent. He also said he likes beans on toast. I don't know if that was in that specific beans on interview. Toast, that was a thing he said. So seems like he's firmly in the English camp. I assume he he doesn't have much interest in representing the United States either. So maybe that has to do with the call up. Uh, the one thing I'll just add, and Tom hit on this already. You know, we, we re-signed Ima. Uh, we have Nacho Hill on the roster. It seems like we have wingers galore, and Carlos Hill usually plays every single minute. Um, I, I feel like we're wasting Esmir at the club level, and I hope they find some some role that he can play uh so he can develop a little bit more because it seems like the last two years we haven't seen a whole ton of him uh but you know at the national level he's getting looks he certainly is impressing a lot of people elsewhere uh but fewer minutes than justin reddicks i think that's a stat that's very very telling so i'm curious to see how he's used in 2024 i think it's important and we talked about how there's 11 people on a 10-man supplemental roster I wouldn't be opposed if if it means guaranteed playing time. If Esmir, if we found a loan that benefited him, that helped him grow, whether it's in Europe or, or USL Championship, I'd rather Europe. I'd rather him play a higher level than USL Championship. Uh, I think that'd be something that you know the, the Revs really need to look into because Esmir needs a lot of minutes in 2024, and I'm not sure how he gets them uh, with this roster, how it's constructed right now. Uh, any final thoughts before I move on to final news and notes? Anyway. Greg, uh, do we think that we get the beloved and the move that everybody thought when Rhode Island FC was birthed? Do we get the Damian Rivera loan move to Rhode Island FC? What is Damian Rivera's role on this team? I I, I, I wouldn't be opposed. I don't think that's a, a total... Now, is it RIFC? Who knows? I, I don't know what the relationship between RAFC and the Revs are right now. I, I don't know if they view each other as competitors. Online, online, it's quite toxic, some would say. Rhode Island fans want a player from Rhode Island on Rhode Island FC. I understand the connection. I understand it's all speculation. But what is Damian Rivera's role on this team? I, I don't know. It, it certainly would be a fit, in my opinion. Um, and it would make a lot of sense to me if you loaned young kids. It, it could be Jack Peake. Loan young kids down to... Um, uh, Rhode Island or Hartford if you know because you can play revs too forever but after a while you're not going to develop okay we don't we don't have to talk about Hartford I mean you know I love our Hartford friends but uh, they're having a little bit of a rough go anyone could play for Hartford really I could play for Hartford I I I think I talked this before about Rivera I mean he's he's in a very critical year for his development I think he's going to be in his his age 21 season next year I mean, he he needs to play for himself, and and for the Revs to send him out somewhere and 
and and see if he's really going to be able to kind of take off. Incidentally, the the game that I watched from 2022, he he played in that game and you know, he actually looked all right. Like he's, you know, he definitely has some ability, but he needs a full season of of of, you know, going out and getting games. Uh the Rhode Island thing, that's an obvious like easy connection, right? It's like easy pop to sign a Rhode Island player from, you know, to the to the team in Rhode Island. Uh but they, you know, they, they've put together somewhat of a, a veteran roster. Uh, I, I don't know how much interest they really have in uh, in, in bringing young players in and, and giving them a chance. Like their owner, Michael Parkhurst, uh, did an interview with the um, the REFC podcast. Raising Anchor. Uh, yep. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Raising Anchor. Uh, and he basically said, yeah, we don't have any plans for, uh, you know, youth development. We're not going to do youth teams. You know, uh, Parkhurst actually said, uh, basically, you know, you can't win with kids, which – Famously kind of worked out uh, in the other way for somebody else uh, over in Manchester some number of years ago. Uh, so I don't think they're really too keen on bringing in a young player and giving them an opportunity. Uh, but he needs to play. He needs to play somewhere. Yeah, agreed 100%. It's worth noting, too, he had a contract option for 2023. So either next year he's out of contract or he has a team option. Uh, it just seems like he's... Again, what's his role on this team? Where is he going to contribute? What's the long-term plan for Damian Rivera? If there isn't one, you loan him to a USL championship team instead of giving him 200 minutes as a fill-in role, especially with, you know, Esmir on the team, with Jack P on the team. You have a million other guys at this point uh, that, that's filling the spot, and it seems like the window for him in New England has passed him by. Uh, all right, some quick hits before we wrap up here today. Christian McCoon has signed in Cyprus. Good for him. Uh, the Revs get $50,000 in general allocation money because they had Zach Steffen's discovery rights, Zach Steffen <laughs> signing with Colorado. Tom got a big laugh out of that. I don't think Tom knew that either. Apparently, they, did, uh, they discovered him. Yeah. They just, yep. yep. The New England Revolution. Not the crew. Not the crew. Not the crew. Not Colorado. The Revolution discovered. Zach Steffen. I also wonder if that means the Revs were trying. He was he was one of the keepers the Revs were trying to get when Petrovic uh, left. Probably not, but they tried getting Josh Cohen. It would make a lot of sense if they were calling Man City trying to get Zach Steffen. But either way, he ends up in Colorado on a three-year contract. Tom Bogart reporting there's no offers currently for Noel Buck. He said basically there is no urgency from any sides involved to move Noel Buck. So we might see him start next season in New England. Uh, preseason schedule announced. It starts January 24th. The Revs have matchups against New York Red Bulls, FC Cincinnati, Orlando, Philadelphia. Do not expect any of those games to be streamed. I believe all of them are closed doors. Is that right, Sam? That is correct. Mm -hmm. uh, Colby Quinones and uh, Maciel have signed with Revs 2. Uh, Colby is returning to Revs 2. Maciel was with Revs, the senior team, for the last few se three seasons, I believe, uh, recovered from, I believe, a torn ACL that he suffered in 2022, made full rehab, uh, played, ended the season making some appearances for Revs 2. Nice to see him returning to New England, hopefully uh, keeping him in the system. Maybe we see him back up at the senior team at some point in the near future. Probably not in 2024, but who knows. Uh, also, the current referee CBA is expiring uh, January 15th, and the Athletic is reporting a stoppage is imminent, uh, which led to a lot of people making jokes about, well, let him go. How bad can it be? But for those of us it who will be suffered, bad. Who, for those of us who suffered through the NFL referee lockout, it can be bad. It can be yeah. bad. So, yeah, I don't know if that's something that we want to see, but who knows? I mean, refereeing is pretty bad in MLS. Tom, you have any thoughts? You look like you want to say something, Tom. Uh, yeah, look, how, however... However bad people may think refereeing at the MLS level is, what you have to try and understand is that 
those are the best referees available in this country. So I, I look, I've been at, you know, high school games on a Thursday afternoon, uh, division three soccer games. Uh, you, you, you would, you would be begging, begging for MLS referees to come back. Uh, if, if some of those individuals, uh, turned up at, and no, again, no, no offense to anyone that does referee referees are very important and there is no game without the referees. I understand, but like, it's a tough job. And however poorly people think MLS referees do, uh, it, it will not get better if, if they're replaced with, you know, with less experienced uh, referees that, that have experience uh, with, the, with the game being played at, at a slower speed below the professional level. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, the other thing too, I know with the NFL lockout, there was the, the NCAA referees had their own contracts and they basically the NFL didn't replace their referees with, trained referees from the NCAA because division one and division two referees basically had their jobs locked in and they weren't going to leave for the NFL. You know what I mean? So I remember it was a situation where basically the NFL had hired NCAA division three referees, high school referees, you know, basically anyone they could find. And the difference was insane. And so I I don't know if um, MLS, if the gap, you know, it might not be USL referees moving up. It might be MLS to, you know, college or high school or something like that. And I imagine there's a big learning curve too. I don't know the exact details, but that is also something good. We might not be replacing them with the second best uh, group of people. We might be replacing them with whoever we can find. Yeah. All right. And I also too want to say, Greg, that if, if this is the case, there's, there's a chance of that members of the blazing musket could be refing MLS games, which I would love. Uh, but also, I don't know if they are necessarily qualified to do so. Are we talking about Connecticut native Jake Katniss? Yes, but we also have someone else who could ref MLS next pro games. Ooh, well, that would be fun. Then you have to go and heckle the uh, the referee in the, <laughs> that scenario. So we will all go the heckle Jake. Yes, yes. I I I refed a, a a high it was a high school boys like summer camp game once. It was it was one of the most painful like ex- mental experiences in my life it i give referees a hard time and i shouldn't uh because it is a it is a brutally difficult job to do um so yeah i i just hope they figure it out and and the guys that are used to working at that level continue to work at that level because it's uh yeah it, it's it's not a tough job i'm mm-hmm. oh, sorry it is a tough job <laughs> Figure it out, and let's all go back to to hating referees and not missing them and not saying nice things about them. That's what I say. Figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, One more note. Uh, State Senator Sal DiDomenico is filing a standalone bill that would pave the way for a soccer-specific stadium in Everett, blah, 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 blah. This actually is promising, uh, but I don't want to give any more airtime until – When's the next development? And the next development will follow up, what, at season ticket time? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I will say, I I will say, Greg, Caleb Porter directly asked about a stadium. Said he didn't really care, which compared to Bruce Arena, basically said you have to have a stadium. It's quite different. It would be funny if Caleb Porter said something positive and then said, also, season tickets now on sale. Now that Messi is here, the the (laughs) soccer stadium stuff, I think, fades a little bit to the background. The one thing I'll say is that with the Everett site, that site is going to be developed sooner rather than later, whether or not there's a stadium. So I think there is genuine pressure 
for the Revs because it seems like all their eggs are in this this basket for Everett to actually get something going or at least make a stronger attempt than some other times. It's not like this site is going to be there for 20 years. This site is going to be developed. And if they can't develop it with a soccer stadium, it is going to be developed with some other sort of mixed use that's going to meet their zoning requirements. So I'm curious to see where it goes. I think it's promising it's going to be a standalone bill and not you know, just tacked on to a spending bill or something like that and gets thrown aside when uh, they are, you know, in the need to sign it or whatever happened a few months ago. So anyway, I said we weren't going to dedicate any airtime to it. And we did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we talked about Everett. I, I really don't want to until we actually have something agreed upon. I'm sorry, everyone. Guys, where can they find you on social media? Tom, they can't find you on social media, but where you, you write for the Blazing Musket. Is there anything else you want to promote before uh, we end today? Any final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts. Uh, just yeah, just just on the buck thing. Um, I, I I would I wish there was a bit more urgency because I think he very clearly wants to be in England, and what would not be good for the team is if he has a a, a breakout, an actual breakout season. A lot of people said he had a breakout season last year. He had three goals and two assists, and I don't think he. Anyway, uh, if he has an actual breakout season, someone's going to come in for him in July and he's going to want to go because he wants to go to England. Very clearly, that's where he wants to be. So we're going to be back in the same situation uh, that we were in with Petrovic uh, and Buchanan. And you can't expect it. You can't expect it to work out as well as it did with Buchanan. You know, that, that worked out really well. He was agreeable to stay until the end of the season because they were, you know, they were the best team in MLS. Um, and so it worked out and he went over to Club Bruges and uh, he's actually moved on to, to Inter Milan now as well. So that's the best case scenario. And I don't know that that's going to happen every time. So it, I I wish they could find a way to, to move Buck over there because he, he seems pretty determined to, to head over to England. I can't believe I missed the Tejan Buchanan news. I listed Christian McCoon going to Cyprus. I didn't list Tejan Buchanan <laughs> going to enter. What the hell's wrong with me? Uh, Sam, Game money, right? Is that MLS crypto coming in now? Because no, no, because oh, they already well, got it. They all, okay. yeah, they already got the maximum amount of gam in the initial transfer fee. So I think, and I think too, the only different there was only like a small difference. So I think it's only like sixty thousand dollars. Nah, more it's actually more according according to the athletic, uh, according to Club Bruges president. It could be it could be closer to like a miller. All right, I think for the for the reps. Yeah, are not closer to the mill. Maybe closer to like a hundred or like two hundred thousand. Uh, actual money. The rep. Yes, the reps yes. get ten percent of the ten percent of the profit Club Bruges make. So so. You sold for seven million. You're saying he's sell, selling for about eight million, and the revs are getting about a hundred thousand of that. It's the whole it's the whole euro to dollar translation thing. It's 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 that lovely stuff. Numbers yeah. don't matter, and we're talking about Robert Kraft's money, and I don't care. It's not MLS crypto. Sam, people can find you at Sam Mint at Sam underscore Minton twenty two on Twitter. They can also find you at Blazing Musket on Twitter. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Blazing Musket on Substack. Substack. All Revs news, all RFC news, all Hartford Athletic news, some Vermont Green news comes straight All the Vermont Green news. Okay, all, all Vermont Green. Hey, they're in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, Damn right. All of, all of that news going straight to your inbox, so make sure you subscribe to the Blazing Musket. Sam, what are your final thoughts before we wrap up here today? I just want to say, again, I, don't, I know this is the first podcast episode of the season. God. But I think this could be the greatest episode of podcasting. You say that every time you're on. 
It's not. No, the I greatest don't. That's podcast a lie. Because you're on it. You're, that's it's, why it's no, not one of the best podcasts. I did. I did nothing. This podcast. This was all you and Tom. Um, this is not me. I want no credit for this. This is all you. You guys nailed it. Um, it's not great. Well, I was going to force a joke. I'm not. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how Caleb Porter. Uh, does this season and um you know kind of circling back to Noel Buck I thought it was interesting that Club Brews is also a team that's interested in Buck uh, I don't know if that's exactly where he'd want to go again I think England is the priority uh, but it really does seem like according to Tom Bogart that there's even a possibility for the rest of the season um that he could be here which is ideal in some way but I think for Buck he does want to move on uh, but again just really excited that the Revolution are back excited that Revolution recap is back and uh, excited for yet another season of lovely reps coverage. Mm-hmm. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at revolution recap. Also make sure you're following us on Instagram, on Facebook. If you hate Elon Musk, make sure you follow us on threads, be our friend on threads. Uh, and also the other one, what's the other one called? Blue sky, um, blue sky. We're blue on blue sky. sky too. We're on blue sky. Sometimes maybe we'll post the podcast on blue sky. Follow us there. Uh, follow the Blazing Musket. I already talked about that. I don't want to give any more airtime to the Blazing Musket or Sam Minton. Follow our friends over at The Rebellion on Twitter and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them. Make sure you are subscribed. Oh, and also, thank you to our sponsors, Bet Online. Uh, use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to receive a 50% bonus on your first deposit. And also make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you are listening. And also, if you can rate and review us five stars, that helps us out very, very much. It helps people looking for Rev's content find us. Find it, and we'll be back next game. Also, by the way, this is a new system we're using. If you had any audio issues, please uh, send us a DM or send us an email at revolutionrecap, revolutionrecap at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until Revs News, we'll catch you next time. Go Revs.